Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, White Sox fans, guess what? Southside Sox podcast number 59, and right out of the gate, we have a pet cameo. So I'm going to have to, before even introducing Jackie Crystal, I'm going to have to find out who her uh, fourth in this podcast is. This is Zoe. This is Zoe! Zoe! Zoe. <laughs> Puffy. Zoe, look here. Look here. I was feeling bad for a second <laughs> that I would be outnumbered in defending Field of Dreams, but I think Zoe, Zoe showed up because Zoe said, Brett needs a little bit of help, so thank you for showing up. Zoe, no, stick around, please. I don't think that was it. Stick around. No, on my side. Just a half hour, Zoe. Yes, uh, if that didn't let the cat out of the bag, this podcast is devoted to Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams game, which takes place uh, later today. Uh, in Iowa. We'll debate the merits of that and the merits of the teams playing in it because the White Sox aren't exactly storming into the Field of Dreams game, not exactly storm trooping to Iowa. And of course, in the second half of this podcast, we'll discuss the merits of the feature film, Field of Dreams. And I do believe I am outnumbered. We'll see if anybody decides to hop on and join. We had some impassioned defenders I should say defender of the film in our earlier chat. And I should point out before I introduce my wonderful guests here for the Field of Dreams podcast that we're running a ton of Fields of Dreams stuff here today along with this podcast. We've got Field of Dreams Eats from our sister site, The Eater. And we've got, I believe, a play-by-play coming from another one of our writers, Zach Hayes. And we will have our, what do we call it? Slack chat. Slack chat number two is published as well, where there was a robust discussion about Field of Dreams, a little bit of which you're probably going to get live and in person on your podcast right now. 
because at least one of my guests is very passionate about Field of Dreams, but let's get to it. It is the owner of Zoe, the Wonder Pup, who's here to defend Field of Dreams, Jackie Crestle. Thank you for joining again, Jackie. And it's the feisty one. Colleen Sullivan is going (sighs) to... That's rude. He's going to put the <laughs> hammer down on Field of Dreams. Well, I, okay. You know, another, I did not mean to insult with the descriptor. I just mean, I just know that you're going to come <laughs> with the heat for Field of Dreams, the feature film. But let's first talk, guys, about the Field of Dreams baseball game that is played. Uh, it was scheduled for last year for reasons that are quite obvious. It was not played. Same two teams, same, same channel, same locale. Same preposterously high price for tickets. Uh, thoughts about when you, maybe from when you first heard there was no Field of Dreams play, uh, game being played or the fact that it's we're finally here and we won't have to hear about Field of Dreams for much longer. Thank God. <laughs> well, like when they first announced it, I was like, oh, you know, that's really cute. You know, it, it's a cute idea. It'll be kind of fun and quaint. And then, you know, they obviously didn't play last year. Um, and now in the buildup leading up to it, it's like, tickets are $400. You have to have X zip code to be able to buy them. They're $5,000 on StubHub. And it's like, okay, this isn't fun and cute anymore. And now it's getting kind of weird. So Yeah. Um, when they canceled it last year, clearly fine with that don't want to go out there and get COVID um still don't still don't that's why I'm not going um but yeah it is getting where like Tony LaRusso's not going to be there Rodon just went on the aisle um I mean mean, Tony I would be pretty worried about him wandering into the cornfields and then just not making it back Let's be honest, Colleen. I think we all might secretly have been rooting for that. The guy I'm worried about going to the cornfield and not coming back is, as Jackie alluded, Carlos Rodon, who has um, shoulder fatigue, which is vague enough for the pessimists among us to panic and uh, vague enough for the optimists to say, oh, yeah, he just needs some time. But the truth is, Carlos Rodon's career has averaged 12 starts a year. He's put in a lot of innings. He's been pushed to the max by Tony La Russa, as all the starters have. Uh, is this a concern going forward with Rodon, who's had a Cy Young quality year, but may simply be out of gas? And can he get, can he fill the tank back up in August? I think he'll be okay. So considering Tony likes to ride the pitchers until like their arms fall off, that's a whole separate thing. But I think we need to remember that not only has Rodon had this big Cy Young season, he's pitched more innings, he's had more starts, all of this stuff. He's also coming off an injury and he's coming off of surgery. So I think it's reasonable for him to have some kind of shoulder tightness or to have dead arm or something like that and just need some time to rest it and heal. I'm not that worried about it I think I would be more worried if it was like a true injury like he tore something that's fair and Jackie as I betrayed in the game thread today I though normally much more optimistic about things I think that's fair to say cynical perhaps but optimistic Uh, I uh, would be I count myself as fairly gravely concerned about this I don't know that we see Rodan back as Rodan 
this season. And it's frustrating to me to know that maybe there could have been a little bit done about it, particularly as Colleen alluded to, just lighten up, maybe not on Giolito, but maybe on Carlos Rodon, the guy who they were in the bullpen last year. Uh, Jackie, what is your level of, uh, of concern, uh, hope, uh, prayer, and do you uh, foresee Carlos Rodon traveling with the team and just walking straight into the cornfield? <laughs> Okay, so it's fair to be pessimistic, right? It's fair because shoulder injuries are um, major things that you, uh, that a pitcher would have to deal with. Um, So it's fair to be pessimistic about that and worry about the cornfield. But where you can hang your hat, your little Field of Dreams hat on that you have back there, um, is that Carlos Rodon has come, uh, has surprised us before, right? So while it's fair to be pessimistic, it's also fair to be optimistic. Like, well, you know, maybe this rest is just what he needs. Um, you know, rest the arm a little bit, uh, put some ice on it, sit on a beach somewhere, <laughs> um, and then come back and, you know, let let Kopech take a few more innings, you know. Did, did they say he was going to, like, fill in his spot while he's gone? I didn't see that today. We got we got Lopez start, apparently in the rotation Rayla. now. Uh, oh, because Raylo, yeah. I mean, the problem with Kopech so being the guy to fill in the way we've all sort of thought, oh, yeah, it'll be Kopech. Well, he's got his innings limit. They're babying him to a degree. Mm-hmm. He certainly can't just come in yeah. and slide, slide right in there uh, for those starts. Uh, so, and but here's another thing. Cynically, but what works out for us is, to be honest, and not that you're going to pitch yourself to death, but Carlos Rodon, this is a salary drive year. This is the contract he's going to get in his career. And he's done enough to this point. He can't pitch the rest of the season. And he's going to get himself a nice contract going forward, even if teams are going to be a little hesitant, like, hold on, we're just getting half a season pitcher. It was a pretty good half season. Uh, yeah. There is motivation for him to come back strong, smartly, but strong, simply, you know, to get, whether it's the White Sox or another team. Uh, and again, that's that's like a crass, cynical take, but it's also reality. This is his one opportunity to get that Nathan Eovaldi uh, type of contract. Uh, so, you know, that's uh, maybe a feather in the socks cap given Rodon, but I guess we're going to see. And I certainly hope that Colleen's take is is the one that we have in front of us. And it is just nothing. And I want to believe that. It's just, if it's Lucas Giolito, I'm very willing to believe that. Uh, even though Lucas, as every pitcher has had significant injuries, uh, Rodon coming right off of injury, being injured his entire career, gassing it up, you know, with 100 mile now pitchers, uh, pitches right before he leaves the game. So he's been strong through games. That makes me a little bit more worried. But how about the status of the team in general? Uh, these last couple of series, not strong. Uh, we know that they they know that this division to some degree is wrapped up or they're actually, they're playing like it. Uh, is there concern about the fact there's a little bit of lackadaisical play? The offense can really disappear at times, sometimes for stretches of more than one game. Uh, concern here, early August. Uh, I try not to be concerned this early <laughs> in the game because we got some time to work with. Um, is it indicative of a long-term problem? I, I don't know if, if that remains to be seen. I, I try to remain optimistic. Um, the offense certainly has been missing in action more than I care to watch. Um, but, you know, and we need our, our, our big hitters to be big hitters. And there were some glimpses of that in the cross pound, you know, when we trampled mm-hmm. all over them. Um, and so I, I, 
I feel like that's still there. I don't know what the the key is to bring it out. Maybe everyone needs to go on the 10 days. I always have a mini all-star break. Right. Yeah, I have to agree with Jackie. Like, I usually don't get concerned this early in the season. Like, later in August, going into September, ask me then. Um, But I have the feeling that they know that they're running away with the division. Like, I unless there's some massive collapse and they fall to the bottom of the division, which would be, like, historic collapse. Yeah, you gotta um, knock on some wood. Find some wood and knock on it. Turn around and spit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, truly, unless there is some epic collapse, mm-hmm. I think they're phoning it in on the division games. Mm-hmm. And that's real. that really came across these this last series with the Twins, and it came across when they lost to the Royals. Like, it's painful to watch that, but they know that they're winning the division. So I think they're phoning it in, which I think is... obviously not okay um that first series back against the Astros I think really showed what they can expect in the postseason they are going to be facing harder teams they're going to be facing the Astros they're going to be facing the Padres and the Dodgers and all of these bigger teams and we need to see them have it together a little more to feel more comfortable about them facing the big teams in the postseason. I was worried beginning the second half because on paper before the trade deadline, it looked like it was going to be a really rough road until the start of September when they get a little, little bit of a breath of fresh air with uh, Pittsburgh and some other teams that weren't really in it. And of course, teams like the Cubs and um, you know, to some degree, the twins, certainly Cleveland sort of opting out of the season has made this stretch immediately after the all-star break lighter, but those games are still coming. There are going to be greater challenges and, and we'll see, maybe the White Sox, you know, will be rising to that like they did with, in the, in the second series against Houston. That is what we want to see. And yeah, I suppose you want to keep a little, you know, gas in the tank, uh, two, you don't want to lose games, uh, and they're not fully healthy yet. You know, Luis Roberts still working his way in. Eloy, you know, still, although you, you wouldn't know it with how he's hitting homers. Um, <laughs> I'm less worried about Luis and Eloy than I am about like Yoan Mancata going over 22. Like that's not great. Yeah. Um, him going over 22, Anderson not hitting as much, Abreu not hitting as much. Like it's great that Vaughn is hitting the ball all over the place. Um, it's awesome that Sebi Zavala got three home runs in a game, but we still need the bigger guys to like show up. And, and the White Sox offense, very decimated by injury, was carried by the rotation the whole first half, really still being carried by the rotation. You start to see cracks like we're not having to take a rest, even if it is just a couple starts. There's going to be a couple starts at least. Um, you know, those are cracks. Now, granted, we got a guy. We got Kopech. We got Ronaldo Lopez. Certainly not been bad. I don't know. The vision finally kicked. The LASIK finally kicked in, and, and now he's uh, he's chucking like we all hoped he would, uh, more reminiscent of 2018. Uh, but, you know, they're not that deep. They're not deep at all, in fact. So they cannot afford a, a, a single bruise while Rodon's out because then you start to – I mean, not in a division-losing circumstance because in 2005 even when the White Sox flagged in September they had Cleveland going gangbusters on their tail I don't see any team in the AL Central going gangbusters until it might be 2023 but at any rate 
Uh, okay. Uh, uh, predictions for the game. Uh, are you going to watch the game? Do you care about the game? Is it any different than a normal game or is it going to be more annoying because there'll probably be more commercial breaks and there'll be a bunch of corn stuff and flashbacks to a movie you, you don't fancy? So I, li- I like the idea of the Field of Dreams game. I'm going to watch it because I just like, I, I just like the idea of it. I think it's really a cute idea. I'm going to watch it. Um, I have class during that time, so I'm going to be watching it on mute. And I think that's going to make it better for me because there's going to be less like Field of Dreams schmaltziness. <laughs> like, it's just going to be on mute. I'm going to see everybody in their throwback uniforms, which, by the way, yeah. the Yankees throwbacks do not look like throwbacks. They look like they're normal jerseys. <laughs> that's because they're so timeless, Colleen. I was going to say, have the Yankees not updated their uniform in 100 years? Like, that's a whole separate thing. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't think so either. I am really tired of, like, Ozzy and Chuck wandering around <laughs> with their phones. Like, No, that, that footage of them driving through Iowa was riveting. <laughs> About as riveting as the movie Field of Dreams. Oh, my oh. goodness. Segway alert. Well, I would also like to point out, as somebody who has been to the actual Field of Dreams, like, Mm -hmm. as a vacation spot, it's not great. (laughs) I'm sorry to the people of Iowa. I am sorry to the people of Dyersville. It's a baseball field and a house and corn. There's a lot of of baseball fields everywhere. I was like, it looks like Southern Illinois. Yeah. But that's where the movie was. That's yeah. where they filmed the movie. So yeah. maybe the Yankees just... maybe the Yankees should have played as the Highlander Highlanders. They could have thrown back a little bit further back than I don't know. What is this? What is this year even supposed to be? Is supposed to be the nineteen nineteen year? Oh, too pressing yeah. given all the gambling hovering over our sport. Uh, okay, let's take a quick break. Boy, I don't know if we'll have much time to talk about Field of Dreams of movie, but we're gonna do that right after this break. Stay tuned for our riveting second half where we discuss Field of Dreams, the feature film. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, hey, White Sox fans. Guess what? It is part two of the Field of Dreams special double whammy, triple whammy podcast. It is number, wow, it's 59. I've got Jackie Cresto with me and Wonder Dog. Oh, my God. I forgot Wonder Dog's name. Zoe. 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 I should remember Zoe's name. Because she, he, she, yeah, she, she's on my side. So come on, Zoe, step up. Let's talk Field of Dreams. And of course, Colleen Sullivan with me as well. I believe both Jackie and Colleen might be on the opposite side 
uh, of the gymnasium, the opposite podium, in discussing Field of Dreams, the movie. So I guess let's begin, my dear, dear guests, uh, just your impressions of the movie, maybe if there was any difference from when you first saw it to now, uh, how it holds up. Oh, was I supposed to watch it before this? Oh, before God, the recording? no. Because I definitely gonna, did not do that. Oh, no, you're not going to be tortured by having to watch the movie. I'm sure that the terribleness of it is seared into your brain and you can still readily call it up. Correct, Colleen? Uh, yeah, it's my dad's favorite movie. We watched it a lot growing up. <laughs> okay. I'm starting to see a little subplot here. My poor dad. Like, thank God my dad doesn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> listen to the pod like he doesn't he doesn't get podcasts and like i think this is one of those times where it's like it's probably good he's not gonna listen because then i'm gonna get a phone call yeah <laughs> go, how do you hate field of dreams uh easily dad uh so colleen then um uh the uh one minute synopsis um of field of dreams uh, in her eyes oh I did actually give somebody a synopsis of it today. Um, okay. A coworker of mine who has never seen it, who is from Mexico, so it's not as imprinted in her right. as it is for us. So my one-minute synopsis for her was: there is a farmer who is about to lose his farm in the middle of nowhere in Iowa. He goes out into the cornfields, starts hallucinating, and gets told, "If you build it, he will come." So then he decides, because this is a really brilliant idea to plow cornfields and build a baseball diamond for ghosts to play baseball on. That only he can see, by the way, because he believes like Tinkerbell. Um, He then goes on a road trip, kidnaps James Earl Jones, and drags him back to Iowa to give a speech about how great baseball is and then watch, as somebody on Twitter said, segregated ghost baseball. Kevin Costner being... Someone else said, like, James Earl Jones wouldn't have been even been able to play baseball at that point. Yep. Yep. So he had to give this big speech about how wonderful baseball is. And James Earl Jones would not have been allowed to play baseball at that time. And then father of the year, Kevin Costner, his daughter almost chokes to death. And he decides that we're not going to call the EMTs. We're going to have a magic ghost come out of the cornfield and make her better. And yeah, Wait, hold up. I think this ghost can help us. <laughs> yeah, this goes that only I can see. That only I can see. No wonder, like, I totally understand why his brother-in-law was like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I know his brother-in-law is supposed to be like the villain because he doesn't believe and he thinks that like Kevin Costner's a moron. I don't know, man. I kind of get it. He's like, dude, you're going bankrupt. Colleen Sullivan on the side of big business in her synopsis of Field of Dreams, released 1989. Now, on the side of don't get shit foreclosed on, pay your bills. Pay your bills, Kevin Costner. Pay your bills. Uh, Jackie, I think you lost audio. You seem maybe to be back with us. I'm wondering if Zoe maybe was chewing at the cord in order to make this just a one-on-one with Colleen and I. But uh, uh, your thoughts, perhaps, uh, on the film, if there's anything to uh, fill in there. So, you know, I don't, I should say, I don't hate the film. I don't hate it. Um, I don't like it, but I don't hate it. The parts that I like are the baseball bits of it. Like when they're playing the games and, you know, where you think the next pitch is going to be, well, low and away or in my ear, you know, it's going to go away, but look out for it in your ear. That part's funny. That part's funny. Um, So the baseball bits are the, the part that I like, but the rest of it just doesn't make any goddamn sense. And so it makes it really hard to follow, like, Oh no, I'm I'm invested in this story. I'm I'm invested. 
So let me ask, and again, I, I, you know, we've been having some fun with this. I'm not going to be an impassioned defender of the movie, but the, the movie is clearly it's sports fantasy. Uh, there's reconciliation themes. Obviously, it's over the top. A lot of movies are because it's baseball, because it's on a farm, because apparently there's a kidnapping in the movie that you can't suspend he, he disbelief for that. He kidnapped Darth Vader. He just wanted no. to be left alone. I, you know what? Honestly, that's energy I bring to my everyday life. I just want to be left alone. Yeah, and 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 that's fair. And I mean, obviously, I you know, I get it. And uh, I think what is inserted into our uh, Slack uh, cast, uh, which I think came from Colleen, perhaps, where it's like, yeah, he went and he kidnapped a guy. You just want to be left alone, all that. Yeah, I get it. But before Kevin Costner uh, leaves Boston. You know, James Earl Jones stops him and wants to come along. And he, and guess what? James Earl Jones, the guy who couldn't play the segregated baseball he ended up going to watch, heard the voices too. So I guess it was a double. I'm not sure how you explain. They were drinking the same yes, Kool-Aid. He, and he got uh, to go in the corn. Yeah. At the end. And then he, yeah, that's, he kidnaps him and then he dies. <laughs> Now, do they die? Is that like what it means? I think so. I right. mean, does James Earl Jones has no? He has no vote in this. I mean, they're they're uh, no, there's a like fake wandered. gun point. No, he voluntarily went. He voluntarily yeah, I think went into the corn. I think it's like you died when you went in the corn, right? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Is this to know. like cats? Where like is this like cats? Where like they vote the the one cat that's supposed to go to whatever? And I'm pretty sure that cat's dead. <laughs> did James Earl Jones get volunteered to wander into the corn as the sacrifice to the children of the corn? I did Is not there like that... overlapping movies here? I didn't think that Cats was going to work its way into the Field of Dreams discussion, but yeah, I don't know. But I, Children I of the Corn was going to? Well, you know, Cats and Children corn, of the Corn were... It's yeah. corn. It's Iowa. Not a lot to do. So, uh, so, so, so I guess the, the, the answer... Okay, go ahead, Jack. No, I was like, uh, maybe you're headed this way. Like, you know, I want to mention the other bit that, of course, the reason why everyone likes it is that it's a story about fathers and sons um, told through the lens of baseball. And I think everyone, even as cynical as, you know, I might be or Kelly might be, we can appreciate that to to a point here. Um, but we can talk about how all of, like, the emotional climax of that movie is ruined <laughs> by the delivery of that line that is regional and doesn't make any goddamn sense to anyone about having a catch instead of playing catch. Is that even regional? Does, does did, we get a, did we get a vote from anybody in Iowa as to whether or not that's something they Luke actually said say? no, but said I think no. Jackie said it yeah. was maybe something Long Island or something. Somebody said it was I, something more the Northeast. I Let's blame the Yankees. It, so consider the source, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Let's blame the Yankees. So let me ask you this. I get, apparently, I'm, my role here is to play devil's advocate. Do either of you like It's a Wonderful Life? And do you see any parallels? I don't think I've seen it. Jackie? <laughs> oh, Jack, so, so apparently Zoe is still gnawing at the cord because Jackie is losing, occasionally losing Jackie. some audio. So now I'm forced to confront Colleen with a question about a movie she hasn't seen. Uh, but Jackie, I think might be back. I, 
And I know how it like happened. I know what happens in it that it okay, exists so the, in like the universe. Yeah, it probably doesn't, you know, apply to then Colleen. Jackie, have you seen the movie It's a Wonderful Life? And does it have any resonance when discussing Field of Dreams? So it Colleen, if you haven't seen It's a Wonderful Life, it's about this guy who wants to commit suicide. Um because I didn't know his that. life is okay, his life's in shambles, <laughs> but then this ghost this angel comes down and shows him what his what life would have been like without him how does that um relate to field of dreams is he kind of are you saying that the 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 baseball player ghosts are showing ray kinsella what his life would have been like had he played catch or had catch with his father well i think or if he had lived in 1919 you know what actually i wish they talked more about the black sock stuff because it was a big part of the movie. Like he, you know, drives his tractor around to make the ball park and he like tells his daughter about the black sock scandal and all or maybe it was his well, wife. I don't Joe know. He Jackson told somebody specifically yeah, as, as his he father's told he hero. was telling somebody about all of that. And I feel like they just keep saying field of dreams, but they don't like talk about anything else it's just like oh this is a field of dreams game field of dreams they're in the corn it's iowa wonderful um there's other shit that happened in that movie (laughs) so there should have been a scene where the players are forced to somehow cross the line sit on the bleachers and be grilled by uh, kevin costner uh and and no no, i mean like the um major league baseball um talking about oh i see yeah well (laughs) that's a definite issue that is very yes i think it hovers over this game if we were to pull from outside pull out of the movie discussion and talk about what in the world we're doing with this as i'm sure there are going to be banner ads and uh commercial intrusions and who knows maybe even fan duel carved into the ground uh, the mound uh at the uh, field of dreams ballpark the irony of this uh is you know, it's positively sickening uh, to me and it's uh, extremely odd. And, you know, in the movie, yeah, we're asked to suspend some disbelief and we're not going to dig into what it is. We just know these guys weren't able to play. It's sort of understood that they're the team that was banned. And there's some other guys like Ty Cobb want to play, but he's a jerk. So we're not going to let him play, we're whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I like that part. Um, and one thing I'll admit to having a, a problem with uh, is, of course, and I think everybody does, the fact that Ray Liotta is playing Joe Jackson, a guy who doesn't look anything like Joe Jackson. The, the character originally in the movie was supposed to be someone who's older and who uh, Kevin Costner, before actually meeting his father or before even maybe meeting um, uh, James Earl Jones, who plays sort of a little bit of an older brother role maybe to him, was supposed to be a bit of a father figure. Ray Liotta obviously is not that. He's just this wide, cracking, smart ass who comes across as far more intelligent than, you know, to be honest, the, the real Joe Jackson was. Uh, bats right-handed uh, as if somehow you couldn't ask Ray Liotta just to swing a bat left-handed and they could do some creative I something up. I did see something about this today actually where somebody was complaining about Ray Liotta batting right-handed when Joe Jackson was a lefty apparently um, Ray Liotta did try to bat lefty and it didn't look right or it didn't look natural or something and they were supposed supposed to fix it in editing like they were supposed to mirror it somehow when they did it and I was like poor Ray Liotta's been getting crapped on for 35 years about this 
Well, that's like the height of 1989 technology, video editing yeah. technology. Was making him look left-handed. <laughs> Yeah, it's just odd because then then he's not the guy. Then have him play. Uh, I'm not sure if the guy who's uh, barking at the kid Jackie referred to. You know, uh, you prefer one for to have one in your ear. I'm not this sure if that's supposed to be at Walsh. I'm not really sure who that's supposed to be. A uh, garrulous pitcher for the White Sox. Uh, but then have Rayo to play that role. It's not like he was a spinning image of any of the players. It's not like any of these guys were spinning images of anything. They're just a bunch of guys wearing, you know, wearing the duds, uh, wearing the flannel. Um, then have him play another role. I'm not really sure why Ray, Ray Liotta was such a box office in 1988 filming this movie. That's like, gotta have this guy. Yeah, a little bit right-handed. It doesn't look authentic. When did Goodfellas come out? I was gonna say, when did Goodfellas come out? <laughs> yeah, well, 1998. Oh. Or yeah, maybe. It, it, I mean, it was right around that time. But okay, come on. You're right. That's he's what got, Wikipedia says. It was 1990. He's got to get to the. Uh, he knows some helicopters are hovering. One thing I thought was interesting that I found, I know this is a, just a, a silly movie. I get it. But I did think it was interesting that, you know, at referring to special effects uh, and thankfully there was no job of the hut just dropped into the middle of the diamond using uh, retroactive CGI technology. But uh, the, the, um, uh, the uh, line of cars at the very end as, as, as uh, the Kinsellas are playing catch uh, was actually a line of cars from Dyersville. They were told to alternate their lights from uh, bright to regular to make it seem like there was movement. So they actually did. Granted, it's Dyersville, Iowa. Sorry, Luke's Mails and sorry, anybody in Iowa, but okay, it's Iowa. So I get how the entire town would come out <laughs> to be part of this movie, but sort of cool that that was authentic. I just always assumed that seeing that that was some sort of weird like little trailer thing they did you know, sort of neat. I know I'm grasping here, but it's sort of cool thing. Um, but it's cute. I like that idea. You know, and, and I, you know, again, it's, I'm sure Ben... And at that point, are they coming to watch Ray Kinsella play catch with his father? That's what they're coming to see? They're not even coming to see the ghost? No, it's going to be like when I went to the Field of Dreams and there was nothing there. That's what they're going, did you play- they're going to see. All the nothing. James Earl Jones you play just, catch with your father? James you Earl Jones just no. says. No, but we did go to the gift. We did go to the gift shop, <laughs> and that's really the important <laughs> thing. <laughs> I mean, that's really all. That's like, there's not a lot. There's nothing there. How much did it cost to get in? Was it twenty dollars or was it five hundred? No, it was free. <laughs> Yeah, it was and, free to get in. That's just it. Another thing I did read was in, in the immediate, the guy who owned the farm in the immediate aftermath of the movie, no charge, like you're confirming here, Colleen. And yes, no, no real even access. It was just the gift store. And he, you know, in order to maintain things, he just depended on what was coming from the gift store to sort of maintain stuff. Obviously it's blown up uh, fr- from there for, for better or worse, but uh, you know, sort yeah. of also interesting. They didn't immediately try to say, okay, well, now that they laid this movie out that people uh, 25 years later are going to, um, um, scoff 35 years later would people go see it go see the nothing if it wasn't free well remember james earl jones predicts and james earl jones as the <laughs> wise man in this mm. movie. listen they're all forced to listen to him <laughs> he has the rapt attention of all the players players who would not have given him rapt attention at the time it's nice to talk today in a, in a context of today if you're making a movie today yeah i think i mentioned why not have a josh gibson be someone who can come out of the corn you know the cornfield tour that's uh, that's not appropriate because these guys didn't want to play with black players and that's just what it is eddie uh, uh eddie collins the guy who's the hero from the black Sox because he was college educated and everybody hated him because he was clean he was as bad as they come he's the reason boston the boston red sox 
were the last team to integrate. He was the GM of Boston. They didn't have a custodian who was black. So even the good guys here still were like, well, yeah, you stay over there. I know I can't get in the head of Ed Walsh or Joe Jackson, but you know, it's great to say it could be different. I think it's notable that James Earl Jones is the guy given it couldn't be J.D. Salinger because J.D. Salinger said, you already put me in the novel and I didn't like it. So I'm definitely not going to be referred to in the movie and have some clown depicting me because I want to be left alone. Uh, anyway, but James Earl Jones said the point is- he, quite a few different topics here. <laughs> well, James Earl Jones said they will come and they will just hand over their money. And I guess it doesn't really matter what they're going to do. I guess the presumption would be, yes, that even though they're lining up early in the middle of the night, they're going to be here to fill the bleachers for tomorrow's ghost baseball game. I would be the guess I would make. Imaginary baseball game. Right. Well, he Those... said that they wouldn't even know why they were getting into their cars or why they were coming to Iowa. And I'm like, well, that tracks. That's that right. supports my guessing theory. Yeah. Colleen's well, conspiracy corner. Field of Dreams is just a ghastly fever dream. Well. And that's some... why there was a collective hallucination. <laughs> and you could also call it a fantasy movie, a sports fantasy movie. I know there aren't many of them, uh, but this is one. And it's interesting that we have a reaction because it's baseball and because the settings are very real uh, of sort of being, you know, repulsed by it because it's like it doesn't fit. And I get it. There's a lot of crazy things. I mean, you point out the, 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 the funny in retrospect scene where the kid's joking on a hot dog. He's like, no, let the ghost save. Well, they, you were there, Colleen. You're in the middle. Of, I would, there are no EMTs just waiting to descend either. So why not let old Archie try to come and save the kid? I mean, I get it. It is let's, funny. Let's the but... nothing. The nothing come save the kid. Well, like as far as everybody else, aside from Kevin Costner's concerned, there's nobody there. But Colleen, the yeah. kid was saved. If there's a ghost or not, the kid didn't die. So you could say he's a ghost, but the kid's well, alive. Also- their parents didn't know the Heimlich maneuver. Like you live on a farm and you don't know basic first aid. Like there's a lot of. And he was like, "Let's call emergency. Let's do it." And Reagan tells like, "Hold up, hold up," because there's this ghost, ghost is going to help us. Well, listen, Annie and I was, think you can help. Annie was smart and aggressive enough to just still sprint into the friggin' house and make the call. But my point is, I don't think it's invalid. It was going to be a half hour and the kid was going to be dead by the time EMT show up on a farm in Iowa. Yeah, you're right. It's a little silly that, that Moonlight Graham is going to save your child uh, after they're having some weird tussle about this farm uh, between Colleen's hero, the evil businessman who wants to foreclose the farm, and uh, my hero, Ray Kinsella, who plowed over under his cornfields because he wanted to build a ballpark this is a strange movie there's no doubt about it but and i'm not just trying to say hey it's a fantasy movie so just you know be quiet about it i i know it's still goofy there's no doubt it's goofy i think my you problem with it is it's schmaltzy i don't like the schmaltziness of it and that's also my problem with the natural is the natural gets kind of schmaltzy and unnecessary and for love of the game and all of those types of movies there's just a little too much but it's baseball, yeah. Colleen. Baseball is sort of dumb. I mean, baseball is super dumb. <laughs> I mean, nobody knows what a bulk is. So, baseball's super dumb, but also, like, I don't need the schmaltzy movies. I won't hold it against wanna, you. Go ahead, Jackie. I want to say, in Tim Buffield's defense, that although he was the um, the villain of this movie, 
he redeemed himself in Little Big League. He did. He was the hero in Little Big League. Oh, that's a good movie. That was also a remake. Next year we'll go to Minnesota and we'll remake that. (laughs) And then the twins have to get a child as their as their uh, man GM. Oh, because it only helps Can't get worse. Couldn't do any worse. I mean, Rocco Baldelli. Rocco Baldelli is the youngest manager in Major League Baseball, so he's kind of a child, I guess. Maybe his son or daughter could could take over for for a game or for a season. Uh, yeah, and apparently it's been leaked that the uh, Cubs are playing in Iowa next year. So, oh really? Yeah, let's 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 put a pin in this one. Uh, I think it's worth uh, mentioning as we are running short on time. I did do a quick survey of favorite movies from staff, at least according to the Meet the Players answers. Sandlot, uh, which betrays the relative youth of our Group uh, was the winner. Five votes. Bull Durham, four votes. Major League, three votes. Field of Dreams, two plus votes. Moneyball, two plus Hold votes. On, where is the two plus? Uh, one we don't have half a person on somebody, staff. Somebody like didn't really answer, so I just gave him like third, third, third. So two. Okay, two. We're not going to divide uh, votes. Uh, and uh, Moneyball and Naked Gun. So we've got a Uh So anyway, I think this wraps up our field. I don't know if we necessarily resolved anything, but everyone has yep. had their voices heard. And who knows when the White Sox play the Cubs next year at the Field of Dreams 2022 in the true fantasy, because there may not even be a season. Uh, we will uh, reconvene and talk more about Field of Dreams. But uh, for Colleen Sullivan and Jackie Crestel, thank you. And Wonder Dog Zoe, thank you for joining me for this. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, reading, watching. And we'll be back with more podcasts. Oh, sometime after the Field of Dreams game. Enjoy Iowa, everyone.